Americans are the unhappiest they've been in 50 years. That was the headline of an Associated Press article from June of last year. And in the article, they detail the findings of a study on happiness. And of the numerous data points that they mention, they said that only 14% of Americans currently describe themselves as, quote, very happy. They went on to describe that many Americans are less optimistic that the standard of living will improve for the next generation than ever before. And in general, there is a cloud of gloom that has basically parked itself right above the heads of every person in the United States of America. It is a fundamental human desire to be happy. In fact, if a person said that they had no desire to be happy, then there would be something wrong, some kind of problem that needed to be addressed. But how is it that we find the happiness that we are all searching for uh, so greatly? Interesting uh, Google search, by the way, to just Google how to be happy and read some of the uh, results that come up. You'll find lists that detail everything from being more positive, which is good, to expressing gratitude, which is also good, to exercise, which can be good, and then there's this one, celebrating you. Not really sure what that's supposed to mean. While some of the things that we might find from a human perspective might be helpful in line in the uh, pursuit of, of happiness, you and I understand that If we're really ever going to find true happiness, that's not going to be through a human recipe. But true happiness is only going to come from God. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 119 tonight. Psalm 119. And I want us to look at the first eight verses of this psalm. Psalm 119 and verses 1 to 8. I'm sure that you are aware that the 119th Psalm is technically the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Although you may also note that Psalm 119 is not a chapter at all. It's a psalm. In fact, there are no chapters in the book of Psalms. They're all psalms. And we all know that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. What you may not know, though, is every time someone calls a psalm a chapter... An angel loses its wings and dies. So let's not call Psalms chapters anymore. They're Psalms, not chapters. And let's not say Revelations either, because that's even worse. I'm just kidding. Maybe. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the book of Psalms, and you know, uh, I'm sure, that this psalm is entirely dedicated to an exaltation of the Word of God. In every verse, save just a small handful, two to three, of the 119th Psalm, the psalmist says something about the Word of God. He talks about his desire to know it. He talks about his love for it. He talks about the uh, blessings that it provides. He tells us in verse after verse about the magnificent beauty of the word of God that we hold in our hands. 
This psalm is also an acrostic psalm, which means that every section you'll find in your Bible that the Hebrew alphabet is represented. And so the first eight verses of this psalm all begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, and then the next eight verses, uh, the, next, the second letter, and then the third section of eight verses, the third letter, and on and on throughout the psalm. But in these first eight verses of this psalm, we have a recipe for true happiness. And I want to look at it in three sections. First of all, there is blessing in Psalm 119, verses 1 to 3. Second, there is desire in Psalm 119, verses 4 to 6. And third, there is praise, Psalm 119, verses 7 and 8. Let's look at these three sections together. In Psalm 119, verses 1 to 3, The Bible says this, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, for they walk in his ways. I want you to notice, first of all, the first word in the first verse of this psalm, and that is the Bible's word for happiness. And the word is blessed or blessed. Now, you may note that this word is the first word, not just in this psalm, but in the entire Psalter, the entire book of Psalms, Psalm 1, not chapter 1, Psalm 1. The psalmist says, blessed is the man who uh, does not walk in the way of the ungodly, nor stands in the, seat of the, uh, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But the the psalmist says his delight is in the word of God and in his law he meditates day and night. And so he will be like a tree that is planted by the river of water that brings forth his fruit and his season. And whatsoever he does, he will prosper. The blessed man, according to Psalm 1, is the man who finds his delight in God's law who spends his time in God's law and who meditates day and night in God's law and as a result avoids standing or walking or sitting in the path of those who reject God's law. Psalm 119 verse 1 through 8 is a commentary on Psalm 1. Psalm 1 tells us that the blessed man is the one who delights in the word of God Psalm 119 verses 1 to 8 tells us that the blessed man is the one who not only meditates in the word of God, but he is the one who is, follow this, undefiled, number one, follows the Lord's direction, number two, is obedient to the word of God, number three, and has wholehearted devotion to what God says, number four. If you didn't catch those, don't worry, we're going to come back to them in just a moment. Now, I want you to zoom in again on the word blessed. I said a minute ago that this is the Bible's word for happy. And this word means literally a multiplicity of blessings. In fact, the psalmist uses the word in the plural. And so he is describing supreme happiness. Or as some have put it, it would be like saying, oh, the blessedness of fill in the blank. So when the psalmist says, blessed are the undefiled in the way, he's saying those who are undefiled in the way are those who know what it is to be supremely happy. 
those who enjoy a multitude of blessings from the Lord, that's who we're talking about in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. We find this word used in other passages in Scripture as well, like Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 29, where the Bible says, Happy are you, O Israel. That's our word, happy, Deuteronomy 33. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. But we also see it in Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. David said, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Proverbs 20 and verse 7, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Happiness, blessing, a multitude of blessing belongs to those who are God's children. Deuteronomy 33, 29 belongs to those who know true forgiveness. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, belongs to those who are righteous. uh, Proverbs 20 and verse number 7. Now look how the psalmist will unpack this blessing in the words that follow. Here are those terms that I mentioned a moment ago. Who are the blessed? Who are those who are happy? They are, number one, the undefiled in the way. The word undefiled in this passage is the same word that the, the Bible uses in the book of Leviticus to describe a spotless animal sacrifice. It is the same as what the New Testament, or the, the word that we'll find in the New Testament, that word blameless. The word blameless. You'll notice that in verse number 3, the psalmist says that those who are blessed also are the ones who do not practice iniquity. The reason is because they're spotless. The reason is because they're blameless. The reason is because they follow the injunction of Titus 2 and verse number 12. The Bible says that the grace of, uh, of our Lord that brings salvation has appeared to every man, teaching us, listen to this, that denying ungodliness and unrighteousness, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Notice in the passage that God tells us that his grace is something that teaches, that it instructs. What does it teach? It teaches us to embrace that which is right and to reject that which is wrong. You see, that's the the trick, if you will, of Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3. The reason why he can say in verse number 3, they do no iniquity, they walk in his ways, is because when we cement ourselves to the precepts, to the testimonies of God as they are revealed in his word, those precepts of God, they will turn us away from sin. It's impossible to practice what God says and practice sin at the same time. Those who are truly happy are those who are undefiled. Those who turn their backs to sin, those who embrace righteousness and reject unrighteousness. Look at the next part of the passage. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Look at the word walk. The word walk, as you well know, has to do with our manner of life, our lifestyle, but it also has to do with direction. 
And that's the idea in this particular passage. A self-directed life is a miserable life. Hosea chapter 14 and verse number 9, the last verse of that book, here's the question that is asked. Who is wise? That's a question that could continue to be asked even to this very day. A lot of people proclaim their own wisdom, but who really is wise? Here's what the passage says. Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the transgressors, they stumble in them. A self-directed life is a miserable life. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, O Lord, I know that it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Why is that the case? Because whenever man is left to his own devices and whenever he follows his own direction, he always winds up in ruin. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and listen to this, and he will direct your path. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The happy man, the blessed man, Psalm 119, verse number 1, is the man who is undefiled. He's blameless. He's spotless. He turns his back to sin, and he embraces that which is good, that which is right, that which is holy. But he is also the man who follows the own direction. He is not a person who allows his own thoughts and his own ideas and his own opinions to determine how he's going to direct his life. He is not a person who makes life's biggest decisions based on what he thinks. But rather, he is the man who follows the direction of God as it's revealed in his word. Number three, look at verse two. Who is the blessed man? Who is the happy man? He is undefiled. He walks according to the law of the Lord. And he, number two, keeps, verse two, keeps his testimonies. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. It might interest you to note that the word keep means literally to guard or protect. Walking means keeping. Keeping means guarding or protecting. And in a practical way, it's all about obedience. What was it that Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15? If you love me, what? Obey me. Keep my words. Keep my commandments. And if we're going to find true happiness, it's going to be through obedience to the will of God. Finally, look at the last part of verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with the whole heart. Happiness is found through, through blamelessness, purity, through following the Lord's direction, through obedience, and through wholehearted devotion. We're not talking about submitting ourselves to the will of God with a bad attitude. We're not talking about a half-hearted effort. What we're talking about is a complete and total surrender, complete devotion to God and to what he says. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 3, our word is blessing. This is the Bible's word for happiness. And the psalmist tells us that a multitude of blessings and supreme happiness belongs to the person who turns his back on sin, 
The person who follows the Lord's direction, the person who obeys what God says, and the person who is completely and entirely devoted to his cause. Now look at the next section, desire, verses 4 to 6. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 4, You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I want you to look at the last verse, verse 6. Shame. Our world talks about shame as if it's always a bad thing. But the truth is that shame is not always a bad thing. When we do something that is wrong, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. When we violate God's will, there ought to be a sense of shame, a sense of embarrassment that comes with that. Read Romans chapter 1 and look closely at the problem that occurred with the Gentiles. They lost the ability to feel shame for the sin in which they, uh, which they committed. And so therefore, their hearts were not pricked. Their hearts were hard. And they had no sorrow at all about what they were doing and uh, the fact that it was wrong. Sometimes when our children get in trouble, we get on to them. We say, shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Why? Because it's a shameful thing that you've done. It's good to learn shame. Now look at the last part of this passage. What the psalmist is describing is the shame that a person feels whenever they look at the Word of God as a mirror and they look at themselves and they they see that the way that they're living is not matching up with, with what God's Word reveals. How do we prevent that shame? That's the question. That's the, the desire that is described in verses 4 to 6. How can we prevent feeling ashamed whenever we compare our lives to God's Word? Well, look at what he says in verse 5. Verse 4 and 5. You have commanded us to keep your precepts precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. You see, the psalmist knows that it is possible for a person to look in God's law and feel shame because they know that this is what God wants and I have not been doing what God wants. So, So what's his desire His desire is to know the true happiness that the Word of God gives. And by the way, this is a theme throughout this psalm. Verse number 10, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Verse number 20, My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. Verse number 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Verse number 81, my soul faints for your salvation. Verse number 131, I opened my mouth and panted for I longed for your commandments. Why is the psalmist saying over and over again, I have a longing, a desire for your word? Because he knows the great blessing and the great happiness that it can bring. So now the question for me by way of application is what is my desire? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be fed or they shall be filled. Uh, Finding righteousness is not going to happen unless a person wants to find it. Now I don't know about you, but there are several times a day that I want to eat, that I want to drink, And so I go and I make sure that I find food and that I find water because God has created our bodies with this natural desire for nourishment. 
Our spiritual bodies have a natural desire for nourishment as well. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5 and verse 6. And that's what the psalmist is describing in Psalm 119 verses 4 to 6. It's desire. See, here's the problem. Everyone desires to be happy. But not everyone desires to feed on God's word. And that is why so many people are so unhappy. Because they want the end result without actually going through the process of finding it. But David said, not only do I recognize that happiness comes from you and your word, verses 1 to 3, but I desire your word because I desire the happiness that it produces, verses 4 to 6. And now look at verse 7 and 8. It's the word praise. We have blessing, we have desire, and now we have praise. The psalmist says, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn of your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. The reaction of the psalmist to, uh, to his discovery that true happiness comes from submission to the law of God and therefore his desire is to feast on the law of God and to orient his ways according to the law of God, the end result of that is praise, it's glory, it's thanksgiving. We ought to praise God. We ought to thank God for his word. Why? Because of the freedom that it provides. Psalm 16 and verse number 11 says, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The word of God, as the psalmist will describe for us throughout the remainder of Psalm 119, is the greatest treasure that any person could ever imagine. It is worth more than all of the money in the world. It is worth more than all of the fame in the world. It is the most valuable thing that we could ever hope to hold in our hands because the blessings that it provides are greater than we could possibly begin to comprehend. And so it's for that reason in Psalm 119, verse 7 and 8, the psalmist says, I will praise you. I will keep your statutes. How to be truly happy. The reason why so many people are unhappy is because they refuse to obey the will of God. And maybe it's even the case that the reason why so many people, even within the body of Christ, are so unhappy is because... They are not loving and embracing and living the word of God. I'll leave you with one passage. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. It's the end of a context which I think has very rightly been described as a context that tells us that we ought to pray right and we ought to think right and we ought to live right. And in verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Those things which you have both learned and heard and seen in me, you do them, and the God of peace will be with you. The peace that he's talking about is sort of an emotional peace. It's the peace that we know when we're able to lay down our heads on our pillow at night and we don't have a care or a worry in the world because whatever happens to be going on, we know that we have a right relationship with God, and so, above all, our God will take care of us. That's the kind of peace that he's talking about. But note, note carefully how it can be attained. What you have learned, what you have heard, and what you have what? What you have seen in me, you do them. 
Paul did them. He practiced what he preached. And he says, you do them. You practice what the Bible teaches. And then what? And then you'll know this peace. If we follow the will of God, if we embrace it and we do exactly what it says, then we're not going to have to worry about suffering the consequences that that belong to someone who's an evildoer. A person who's not a liar doesn't have to worry about what's going to happen if he gets caught in a lie. A person who's not a thief or a murderer isn't going to have to worry about being caught and being tried and being found guilty and spending the rest of his life in prison because he's not lying and he's not uh, stealing, rather, and he's not committing murder. If we'll simply orient our ways according to the direction of God's ways, then we'll know peace and we'll know joy and we'll know happiness. That's how we can be truly happy. Appreciate your attention this evening. Going off the Lord's invitation, it may be that there's someone here that has a desire to respond. Perhaps you have a, a desire to become a child of God, to begin living your life in accordance with what God's Word teaches. If that's, if that's the situation you find yourself in this evening, then we would love nothing more than to help you. If you're a Christian tonight but you're struggling with happiness, might I ask, is it because... You've not been conforming your will to God's will? That you've not been loving God's word and and following in its pathway as God would have you to do so? Change. If we can help you, let us know. Come forward and let your need be known while we stand and sing together.